You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Only a three-man rush again. And that's intercepted at the 40-yard line. That is Janoris Jenkins, and he will get into the end zone for a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I feel like we're Phoenix. We are rising from the ashes. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, the ashes of iTunes. Our multi-month problem of not being heard on iTunes has finally been solved. It turns out, back, turns out it was Welcome my back, fault all friends. along. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried Mr. to do Texas too much, and uh, yeah, I guess Apple couldn't handle it, but that's okay. <laughs> so for all you people who have been listening for the last five months of just <laughs> which may or may not be an improvement now, but uh, we're back. Yeah, uh, or those of you who have been forced to use SoundCloud when you'd prefer iTunes, uh, you may now return to iTunes this works. Um, I mean, as far as the old episodes going up there, I, I, I mean, that would be like a huge project. I don't know that that's really necessary. Do you really care what we thought about in week 16 at this point? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I guess if somebody asked, I can upload whatever. But, uh, but hey, we're, we're back and we're also on Podbean. So SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean. We're expanding a little bit. That's right. Maybe we'll do some more as the season gets closer, but don't hold your breath based on our track record of fixing problems we already have. So, <laughs> hey, look, we have jobs, okay? We're not just, you know, obviously by the lack of sponsors you guys have given us, we uh, we actually have to work for a living. Yeah. Well, um, maybe maybe that'll be our, our goal this year is to get a, an alcohol or pizza-related sponsor. <laughs> They won't pay us, but if we could get like just like one free pie per episode, I think <laughs> you and I would be pretty happy with that. Uh, believe me, we, we'd be done. <laughs> we'd be good. <laughs> we'd be expanding in different ways at that do, point. Do you hear that five-star pizza in Gainesville? <laughs> oh, stop. We could do better than that. <laughs> oh, I, I do love and hate five-star. Wow. <laughs> I mean, right? That would be – that will be a topic for our one of our fall programs once the NFL schedule comes out next. I believe it's on Thursday it's, it's coming it's out. It's this Thursday, yeah. So that's the big news. Um, it, uh, I mean, I it's big news for us anyway. The, the schedule's released Thursday. We already know the opponents, obviously. You know that as soon as the, the season ends. Um, uh, they, they announced the home and aways, which you don't know for sure until they announce them. Uh, right. and, and, uh, the schedule's coming out. So we will be traveling to at least two games. We're hoping we're aiming for three. Yeah. We have penciled in the, uh, the Tampa game, the Chicago game, and we said New England, right? We were thinking of going up for we could go there. I mean, I'm also thinking about making a trip out to Arlington since I have, I have not seen that, uh, stadium and I did make a trip to Austin a couple of weeks ago and really enjoyed myself. So. All right, well, it's all as usual, just how the way the schedule lays out, and hopefully they don't screw us with weekends that don't work for our, you know, personal travel. So we will, uh, I know you're all on bated breath on which games Grunk and the Cranky Fan are going to, so if you have not hung yourself at this point, thanks for sticking around. Well, you know, maybe maybe you guys will be a little bit more interested in those travel games, because we're going to try something a little different next week. Uh, we're attending the draft party. I'm going to broadcast live. I'm sure maybe one person will check it out. But you know, if it goes well, if it seems fun, if it's cool, it's something we can do when we travel as well. Um, you know, maybe in a hotel room, maybe at a restaurant, maybe at the stadium <laughs> itself, wherever we're at, uh, or even the parking lot. You know, it might be a nice little tailgate kind of thing we can do right before or after the game. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so this is all kind of fun and exciting stuff. The, the last couple months of just kind of bantering and bullshit news uh, doesn't <laughs> quite compare to uh, the real stuff coming out, like the schedule, the upcoming draft, and um, the the rumors as the draft gets closer. So um, I guess the biggest rumor is uh, Russell Wilson has given the Seattle Seahawks a deadline for an extension, right? 
That is true, and we are recording this about 9.45 Eastern Time on Monday night. So the deadline he gave was midnight Pacific Time on April 15th, which means about 3 in the morning. Yes. So there is a very good chance that if you are listening to this Monday or Tuesday morning on your drive to work, everything we are saying to this point forward is either 100% incorrect, 100% correct, or irrelevant. So please keep that in mind. Well, let's let's start with a couple of things. Um, how serious is that threat? I mean, he's still under contract for the year, so the only thing he can really threaten to do is hold out. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the possibilities. If they can either e a resign him, b not sign him after the fifteenth, and then they could either just let him walk, they could trade him during the off season, or they can franchise him after this year for two years at the average of the five highest paid quarterbacks in the league. So there are options. Yeah, it, it's not as if – Yeah, well, I mean, I guess how serious do you think Russell Wilson is about that deadline? I mean, it, it kind of seems that Seattle has walked themselves into a corner and allowed him to, you know, play well, the alpha in this situation. Well, it depends on what his end game is. He just said he's giving them until midnight tonight to resign them. He did not say he is not going to fulfill his contract. Mm-hmm. He, you know, did not say he's going to demand a trade after that. He just said if he's going to stay, he wants to be signed now. Um, he's given no indication of pulling a Le'Veon Bell. Um, he's given no indications that he's going to demand a trade. It's just. You know, what is his long-term future in Seattle going to be? So I think before people start jumping to conclusions that he's being going to be a, a dick about something, let's relax. Um, and and how how um how seriously are the Seahawks going to pursue keeping him? You think? I you know I mean he's their franchise quarterback. You know, unless, you know, you see some of the rumors out there about these crazy potential three-way trades, you know, like the between Seattle, the Giants, and Arizona, where they end up with the number one overall pick, and we get Russell Wilson, and Arizona gets, you know, draft picks and stuff. You know, unless they they really see something in Kyler Murray and make a deal like that happen, I think they're going to make every effort possible to re-sign him. I mean, again— He's their franchise quarterback. He's only 30 years old. He's in the system already. Uh, I don't think it's any issue where they're ready to move on from for any reason. So I think they're going to be – I'm sure they're in their war room right now trying to work something out. Yeah, I I can't imagine Seattle not pursuing him with everything that they've got. Uh, They're going to want to make him happy and stay. I, I mean think of what this team used to be who used to be on it, and who they've let walk essentially so that they could keep Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. start naming some stars on the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're all over the they're all over the league right now. Yeah. Guys that are no longer with them. So I mean, I just, I don't see, I don't see them not fulfilling what it is he wants. Now, if his deadline is sort of a farce where at the at 3 a.m. Eastern – you know, the two sides come together. It's like, look, we're working on it. We can't make your deadline, but we're working on it. I mean, it, it's hard uh, to imagine that. Well, that happens all the time. I mean, you course, always see yeah. like stri- strike negotiations, like the Long Island Railroad's about to strike, and, you know, they're 1159, but they're talking. They're not going to, you know, it's not a hard stop, you know. So if, if they are if they are talking, that's as good as meeting the negotiation deadline as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's kind of ironic too, because the way the Seahawks were constructed into a Super Bowl winning team was they had the benefit of having a Russell Wilson on a rookie contract, and not even a rookie contract as a number one pick. I mean, what round was he? Third. He was a third round pick. So the the money was even a lot less than you know if he was a Andrew Luck, for example. So it's a little ironic that. You know, in this next phase of his career, the next four, five, six years with Seattle, he's going to take up, if they keep him, a very large chunk of their cap. 
I mean, I guess that's sort of, you know, you construct your team around getting your young quarterback a bunch of players that are capable of helping him and winning now. And then as he develops into being the star, you start getting some young guys all over the place. You know, maybe you deal those stars out for draft picks that you use for younger guys or whatever it is you do. But yeah, I think that's, you know, people say the formula of winning you know, you get the young quarterback, but that can't be the end all be all because then you would just never right. re-sign your franchise quarterback. So there has to be a transition period where you start sacrificing well, out the other guys and let you you let your quarterback take over. Well, it also depends on where you are in your life cycle of your team. You know, I think that you know if you are a team like let's say uh, I don't know what's a team that's been. Pittsburgh to throw three, four years ago, you know, then you can re-sign a Roethlisberger because your team is pretty much in place. Um, Seattle is getting ready to rebuild again if they haven't started already. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not a question of just maintaining what they have and they need one piece to pick up via free agency. They are very close to having to completely rebuild again. So um, one of those very, very important critical building blocks is your quarterback. So yes, you know you relock up Russell Wilson. You got your quarterback. It's going to cost you, but again, it's not going. One guy is not going to put you in cap hell. It just helps when you have to make you know, you know, lots of moves on your roster to rebuild. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle this going forward. Again, assuming that they resign him. And if you are a betting man, Grump, we have this conversation this time tomorrow. Is Russell Wilson signed or not? I don't know if he's signed. I don't think he's or, signed, or, but I think I think the the negotiations deal, uh, are talk. Yeah. At this time tomorrow, I think either the framework is in place for a contract or he has signed a new contract. Yeah. I, 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 would, I think it's I'd very, very likely. Right. Um, so let's obviously you're not listening to the Just Seahawks podcast. We're listening to the Just Giants podcast. So the question becomes: If he, you know, we get past three a.m. and no deal is made and there's no attempt to make a deal, and he decides he is not going to resign. If you are the New York Giants, what is your interest level in him? And well, if, well, let's let's back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, the connection to the Giants starts beyond fan speculation. It was Tyron Matthew who let slip that he um, somehow knows. I, I guess they are friends, but either knows or speculates that Russell Wilson wants to be in New York. Now I know you and I always say that lots of players want to play in New York because of the you know the deals that they can get, the money they make outside of the game. But I mean to to hear somebody else say that is a real endorsement. I mean you and I, you know, we're just good-looking guys. We're not the smartest people. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> we would uh, we would get less than no sponsors if we were the just Browns podcast being in New York for the Just Giants podcast means we get the best of no sponsors. Yeah, really. This is this is where we want to be right now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so so I mean, the connection to the Giants is not necessarily the fans or the Giants' interest in him. It was out in the open from you know people close to Russell Wilson. Now, whether that's bullshit or not is sort of irrelevant, isn't it? You know, something that might have been a well-orchestrated plan between Russell Wilson, his agent, and a friend to sure. throw throw that misdirection out there to give a sense of urgency for the Seahawks to make a deal. Because, I, like I said, I think I think he would like to stay in Seattle. I think you know, you know, when you're when you play your whole you know career in a place, you've had success there, you're loved there. It's not easy to uproot your family and move and all those type of things. And you know, quite frankly, the Giants are a mess right now. But <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, are they are they a bigger mess than Seattle? I mean, and and yes, I, yes, I I know that looking at last year, yes. But is one team going up and one team going down? I mean, steadily, if you take a step back and look at the last couple of years. Um, giants, giants, <laughs> giants are going down as of this moment. Until we are proven otherwise with an upgrade in talent, and they actually showed on the field, I can't say right now the Giants are on the upswing. Well, you don't think that last year was an improvement over the year before? I think it was the beginning of a rebuild process. I think, quite, quite honestly, what you saw on the field as far as results is irrelevant. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this is you know one of those. 
everybody accepted the fact that this team had to be broken down and rebuilt. And, you know, was the second half of the season better than the first half? Yes. Can you really make an accurate saying, was this team better than last year? I'd say no, because I think, you know, you're tearing down the team at points last year too. So I, I, again, until we get better talent on this roster and we've started that process with free agency and you can make an argument is the talent better than it was before free agency started. And then, you know, obviously what happens in the draft, which is the building block of the team that will tell me if this team is starting to head in the right direction or not. Yeah. And I think that's the key. So, I mean, that's where I sort of drop off now. If I'm the Giants, yeah, I have some serious interest in Russell Wilson. We'll get to the specifics on what it would take to get him, but, you know, is he really the best option? Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that 30 years old is old. I'm not, because I'm older than that. Yeah, Um, I'll kick your ass if you say that, so don't say that. But, I mean, there are people saying that he's, you know, well, I mean, how much longer are we going to have him? I will say that that's a pretty fair point. If this team is still three years away from competing – You've now paid top dollar for a quarterback for three years that you don't really see, you know, as as competitive. Now, is that a huge deal? No, especially when we have the kind of money that we have. But is there a better alternative? Is Josh Rosen a better alternative, even though he's not as proven as as Russell Wilson? I would say that that's a fair point to argue. I would say that you have a younger guy on a rookie contract that you have theoretically – what is he, 22? You have at least 15 like years, you know, if if he proves to be as much as he was hoped to be. Um, well, I mean, you well, also have the upcoming draft, which is kind of the same thing. I think, you know, if you make the decision going for Russell Wilson, I think that three-year rebuilding period gets a lot shorter. And I think your expectations are a lot faster. You know, I, I still think this team in the back of their mind thinks they can can compete while this rebuild is happening. And I think that stunted the growth maybe last year and maybe it did the year before as well. Um, you know, I don't see if you have a quarterback, one you can argue is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Would that be a fair statement? Russell Wilson? Yes, I would say that. Yeah. OK, so if he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, I don't think that curve uh, learning curve but that improvement curve takes three years to get back to at least competitiveness if not better but that also that also means though you are changing your philosophy of how you're rebuilding that team you know i i think it becomes more of a going back to a win nower if not win now mentality so it's (laughs) not going to be as much you know relying on the draft and, and filling it with free agency, you're going to see free agency being more important. The issue would be, you know, if they decide to go through with this and, and they somehow get him, most likely that means they're going to cut Eli Manning, right? Would yes, you say that's 100%, fair? 100%. So that means we would have over $60 million in dead money. So that means basically that's it for this year mm-hmm. <laughs> for free agency. I mean, a grand, there's not that much left, but there's, you know, no cap money left for this year. Well, okay. Let's, let's unpack a lot of that because there was, there was yeah. a lot in there. So yeah, as far as making this team win now, or if not win now, I would agree with that. And and here's why, I mean, you would, I would grade quarterback at a minus there with Russell Wilson, a, a minus, um, the the offensive line at like a BB plus your wide receivers are probably a B your running back group is probably an A minus because you know there's a lot of question marks beyond Saquon Barkley your tight ends are probably a B B minus that's a pretty good offense right there everything is around the B or a little bit higher I think once you um I think you're going to see a little bit what happened last year but obviously a better talent level it's going to take the offensive line a little bit of time to gel because you, you we're counting on mm-hmm. yeah. you know a new starter at right guard you know if John Halapio gains the starting role basically a new starter again at center and then right tackle still having to be addressed so you have potentially three new starters coming in so you're going to you're going to see a little bit of that you know development time together it might be a little squishy in the beginning but will be better 
Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm I'm not necessarily talking about this year, but I mean overall, yeah. what you have as a roster, right? Um, you know, the defensive side is still up in the air. You know, th- th- there's holes all over the place now. So yes, yeah, so would they be more win now, win nower? So like this year, next year, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, now now you're pretty much at this point addressing one to two spots on the offensive line. Maybe a tight end, maybe a running back, maybe a wide receiver, probably one of those. Mm-hmm. And then everything else you can funnel into fixing the defense. So, yeah. Now, the problem then becomes what you have to give up to get him. Absolutely. And and some of the theories I'm hearing seem to me I'm not sure I'm willing to part with two first-round picks and a player. Well, that's I, first of all. I think that's crazy because again, as soon as as soon as Russell Wilson is, makes the decision, he's not going to sign a, a contract with them. His value in the open market drops significantly. But I mean, he has not yet indicated that. Well, it's kind of it's inferred that, a little bit, but right now it's just simply he wants a new contract. I here's a deadline, and his deadline, by the way, is not totally arbitrary. It lines up with like off season. <laughs> Shit. It <laughs> it lines up with off-season workouts. So I mean, it's it's a fair date. It's not out of the blue. Right, right, of course. But I mean, it's safe to say the implication is if he is not going to if they can't come on a long-term deal, it's safe to say that it's going to go right to free agency. He's not going to work out another deal, you know, in the off-season again. He'll, he will be a free agent. And he's probably going to go. So his value drops significantly. And quite honestly, is he a quarterback worth, you know, two first round picks, even if that contract wasn't hanging over his head? That still seems a little excessive to me. It does to me, too. And yet that seems to be the consensus among people that I consider smarter than myself. So, you know, again, so what do you dangle out there for him? Let's just say. You have a situation where nothing happens tonight. The news starts to filter out that he won't play under his current contract uh, and wants to leave whatever ownership, you know. Um, So he's truly going to be kind of shopped around. I would uh, (laughs) – I'm going to think outside the box for a minute for a minute. I'm offering Eli Manning. I mean, that's a joke, right? Well, let's think about it. Who's their quarterback? If he if he go, if they're trading him right now, they have no quarterback. They need a, you know, it's it's kind of a swap in salaries. Well, okay, there there's a lot here. To answer yeah. your question, Paxton Lynch would be the only quarterback, in and I agree with you. That's terrible. <laughs> so they have no quarterback. So I mean, if you're, but you know, how are you going to trade a guy with no trade clause? Well, I mean, it's either that or he's getting cut. I suppose so. But I, I mean, mean it, again, he it, does it seem like the kind of guy who would, if if given that ultimatum, would just retire. Well, I mean, obviously, this is something you're not going to give Eli Manning a phone call at you know nine o'clock at night saying, "Hey, we're trading you, bud." It's something where you know, does it make sense for all parties to do this? Mm-hmm. I think it'd, it'd be a thoughtful plan, but you know. If Russ, if they decide to trade Russell Wilson, they have Paxton Lynch, and Paxton Lynch is useless. Yes, I agree. Eli Eli Manning is not a long term option. It'd be one year. They'll give them time to get through the rest of this season, and they can really make their plan for it, life after Russell um, after Russell Wilson. If if Eli Manning is as bad as everybody thinks he is, they'll have a terrible year. They'll draft pretty high in a very very quarterback rich draft next year. That's interesting. So uh, would that, you offer any picks? I would. It wouldn't be just be just for Eli Manning. I mean, I think I would consider maybe like. See, I would you know, try to be creative and see what they say, but I would almost be willing to make to offer picks in the 2020 draft instead of this year coming up. Mm-hmm. I think, you know. They need as many draft picks as they can. I mean, they're not going to use every draft pick this year, but. I would think they wouldn't. I don't think they want to part with the number one. I don't think they'd want to part with the number two. So to make it enticing, maybe you give up next year's number one instead. They don't need a quarterback, so it's not like they're they're in the race for Tua or anything. 
But I just I just don't see how his market value is like this two number ones and a good player thing. I, I, I again they 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 don't, they don't hold that many cards to do that. I I mean I think I agree with you. Um I mean, to me, I think Evan Ingram is the guy I dangle out there, if anybody. Not that I would want to get rid of him, obviously, but I think he's an attractive offer. He's young. He's on his rookie deal. He's explosive. He's a playmaker. You know what I mean? Is is he's an investment? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah. Two I mean, years. Two years left on his uh, rookie deal. Hmm. This is his third year, so if you trade him, he'd have third year, fourth year, and a potential fifth year because he was a first round pick. Okay, so potentially three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think you can get the deal done with draft picks. I'm not sure you need to dangle someone even that good for it. I mean, if you, I mean, if, if, it depends on if you want to part with them. I mean, for me, when I look at this team and the defense, and then this draft coming up with the defensive players, I don't know that I want to part with. I mean, I understand the value and how much getting a young quarterback that's this good, a top 10 quarterback, fixes this team, regardless of the defense. I understand that I'm not inept. But, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like an inopportune time when your defense is terrible and you have a draft full of good defensive players to be getting rid of draft picks. Oh, hey, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think they may be trying to defer that to 2020. Sure. Like, you know, that would be like the, the number two or even the number one pick in 2020. Would I think they're going to... Would you be willing to part with one of this year's uh, number ones? I mean, we have two. I would absolutely not part with the uh, with the first one. Yeah. No way. The second one? I mean, possibly if I can... It depends on what you think also we might be with a Russell Wilson this year. I mean, if we're a team all of a sudden go up to eight and eight, you know, that number one pick next year may not be as enticing. Yeah. Sure. So I, I, I would, again, I would try to, you know, I would try to defer to next year. I think, I think the highest I go might be that second, uh, first round pick. I would try to get away with the second round pick if I could. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But this thing about two number ones, I don't, I don't see it at all. Well, that's a that that's a move the Raiders do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in, in other news that we missed, not that we missed it, just that it happened between episodes. Uh, Sterling Shepard got re-signed for four years, or extended rather. Extended, correct. Yeah. Um, so I imagine those talks began. Uh, Right after the Beckham trade, <laughs> I would say so. I would say if I was Sterling Shepard's agent, as soon as I saw that hit that that trade happened, I'd be on the phone immediately, saying, "Let's talk." Um, I think it's a good deal. I mean, it was it's four years, forty million. Yeah, something well, like that. Yeah, I don't know that we uh, know all the full details yet. I mean, I certainly haven't seen it, but that seems to be. A fair to slightly above market value for what I think he's worth, but mm-hmm. nothing outrageous. Nothing now, that's we nothing were, that's a, ca- a cap albatross or anything. Oh no 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 no! Yeah, we were we were sort of wondering if he was worth bringing back not that long ago. I mean, you take Beckham out of the equation, right? Because I mean, if you trade him, you don't at this stage of this team, you don't start re-signing players just because you have a hole. You know what I mean? No. You're rebuilding now, so you do whatever. Now, right. I rewatched a bunch of film and I really started to see the Pat Shermer offense. And, you know, this all kind of ties into when, when Golden Tate was signed, there was a big speculation on, well, don't they kind of play the same positions, Shepard and Tate? And like, yeah, kind of. But I mean, in Minnesota, that's sort of what, I mean, Diggs and Thielen just kind of, you know, they switched in between outside and playing in the slot. They kind of ran the same routes. It made them sort of interchangeable. It made the offense a little bit unpredictable. So rather than having your designated X, Y, and Z, you kind of have the defense guessing a little bit. And it allows mm-hmm. you in those stack formations, or, or sorry, bunch formations where you have three guys all together to really truly 
be difficult to follow. And it, it I, I believe it helps the play action as well. You know, it really just keeps the defense guessing entirely. It's all part of that chess game. So I think that this money is worth it because I don't believe that Sterling Shepard is drilled into the slot position, nor do I believe that about Golden Tate. Let me ask you something. If we're if you're looking into your crystal ball three years from now, is Golden Tate even still on the team? No, so my, three I mean, years from now? Or let's say even two years from now. Two years from now, I say yes. As in the 2021 season? Yeah. I say yes, but I don't know about three years from now. So yeah, I think they're just making. I think they're making the uh, the investment. That Sterling Shepard's the guy that they want to have longer term. And yes, they may st- they may do the same basic things right now. That you know, I think they're looking at a longer horizon for him than Golden Tate. So I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why they locked him up. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I yeah. think I would say that this team, with the addition of Cody Latimer has also a deep speed threat with height. Now, am I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Cody Latimer is going to be a game breaker, but I, I think that when you're building a team, you have these guys who are really good at the underneath routes. You know, Shepard, I think, is more twitchy and is able to get open a little bit better. I think Golden Tate is a little bit tougher. I think he takes the hits a little bit better. And I, I think that Latimer is more of your taking the top off the defense kind of guy. And, and let's I think be honest, that's kind and, of what they want to build, that sort of relationship. And let's be honest, too, that Eli, Eli might not have the arm strength or the you know the wherewithal to be able to, to throw the deep ball as much as he used to. So maybe that kind of, you know, that offense you're trying to build fits more of Eli's skill set, you know, assuming nah, he's going to be. I don't know about that. Well, you I, know, I, they, well other than, I don't think you build a team based on the quarterback you have now. Well, no, no, I think I don't think that's. I'm not talking about long term. I'm talking about for the now. Hey, I guess. I mean, if they're they're trying to build it. If they're they're, what type of offense are trying to install for this season? Hmm. Okay. You know that that's what they have to utilize the, you know, what Eli does best now. It, that's probably more important than what the receivers do best. Now, after in the post Eli world. You know, if they want to try to go a little more vertical, you can do a little more things. That's a different story. But I think for right now, you know, for 2019, which it looks like, and potentially 2020, you never know. Hmm. You know, you have to work with the talent that you have. Are you happy with the extension? Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I think he's a, I, I think he's a solid. You know, number two receiver. He's no, let's not make him out to be the next Beckham because he isn't. Um, but I think he's a a solid possession guy, a solid guy who can do a lot of things, a solid compliment guy. Um, you know, signing him for four more years means you know within now in the next couple of years, you know that number one receiver is not on the roster yet. That number one receiver might be a, a freshman in college right now somewhere. So. But he you reminds have- me of a better version of Steve Smith, the Steve, the Steve Smith that was on the Giants. Uh, yeah, Steve Smith was you know he put up big numbers that one year, but it was nothing. That was you know, the year super after- flashy about it. Yeah, right. So I mean, so Steve Smith is everything you said. He was really the number two guy. He didn't. He ran good routes. He had solid hands. His biggest problem, in my opinion, was he had, like, no yards after catch. Like, everything just happened. He caught the ball and he was down. But he moved the chains, you know. He won his one-on-one matchups. He found soft spots in zone. He caught the ball. He moved the chains. Uh, the year he had huge numbers was the year after Burris shot himself in the leg and they had no answer. Right. Um, and he just sort of became the number one de facto. And he, he actually did really well. I think his career only got you know, sidelined after that because of the injury. I mean, other than that, I think he was fine. Yeah. And he was out for over a year. He had had an ACL, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, To me, Sterling Shepard is quicker. I think that he is faster. I think he stays on his feet better. So he gets more yards after catch. I think he might be maybe slightly less sure handed, but in most respects, I think that I think he's a better route runner too. I think 
in most respects, Sterling Shepard is Steve Smith on steroids. But not, yeah. not literally. But. We, 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 let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so am I excited about this? Yeah, because I don't think it breaks the bank, and I think that we have the money anyway. Um, I, I don't think it's a ridiculous contract, and I don't think it was ridiculous given our situation either. Right. We are not we are not flipping all 53 guys on this roster because they all need to upgrade in every single spot. There are some guys that they have identified that they want to keep around. And again, with that being relatively affordable in that contract, you know, perfect. You know, bring them on and, and we'll see how they build around him as well. Now, speaking of flipping everybody on this roster, let's move into our position focus for the week. Um, and it's a big one, and, I, and it's been one that has been you know, mind-boggling. Like, yeah, it was just one of those things where you like trying to sleep at night, and you just can't because you're like, "How are we going to cover uh, anybody?" So <laughs> right now, the Giants, and, and this is this to me is kind of scary. The projected starters at corner go: Janoris Jenkins and Sam Beal, I guess. Right? Yeah, really. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was a on his way to playing himself off the roster at one point, and Sam Beal never got himself on the roster. Uh, that to I'm, me is. Concerning. I'm honestly, I'm honestly surprised that Janoris Jenkins is still on this team. I really thought during the great roster purge he'd be either traded or cut at, by this point. So I'm, I am kind of surprised he's still here. I will say that of all the ones that were purged, I think that. Well, I mean, I'm not going to count Landon Collins into this purge because it wasn't a purge. He was not re-signed. Um, but I think he played probably the most consistently. Uh, and, and that's saying something because he had some real downs. Uh, you know, you could argue maybe it had something to do with injury because I that, that's what he argued. But, you know, when you look at Olivier Vernon, I mean, the it can it, the wildness of his inconsistency is all over the place. Same thing with Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, that was the story of JPP ever since 2011 was that he only showed up in the games against weak competition when it didn't matter anymore. Um, you know, Snacks was being played – whether he can or can't play three downs was only being played one to two downs. Right. So if you really had to and, – and Eli Apple, I mean, the inconsistencies were pretty wild as well. So – when you consider the purge, he was the most consistent and the most worth his contract. So I'm less surprised than you, but I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, he's, he is also a 30 year old cornerback too. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's also, he's, this is not the situation of like an Eli Apple where he's still on the better side of 30. This is a guy who has been around the league now for quite a while. And I think, you know, they're trying to build a culture with the giants and, Hey, you're saying about JPP only played big against lesser competition in games that didn't matter. Janoris Jenkins seemed to be disinterested in games that didn't matter. Yeah. And that's a problem because there's a very good chance that this giant team might be awful again this year, record wise, and their season, you know, you know, considering like the playoffs could be over very quickly. And the question's going to be, is he gonna be, you know, is his third year being in a losing environment, is he just going to be disinterested and, you know, check out early? And that's a concern too. So that is to me is as much of a reason why I thought he'd be gone as much as the money he was making or, you know, skill set that he has. But he, he survived, so he will uh you know he's the last of that free agent uh uh, spree we had a couple of years ago. We spent a ton of money on the defensive guys. He's the one who survived, and I'm I'm surprised by that. And I'm not disappointed by that either. I mean, when looking back on last year, I mean, he had some big moments. I mean, the most mm -hmm. notable. I I don't know. Were you at the Bears game with me? I was not. Yeah, I mean, the most notable was there in overtime. Uh, you know, just. Chase Daniel heaved one downfield, and for a moment, I think everybody. All of MetLife's collective butthole got real tight, and uh, <laughs> that's quite a visual. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jenkins came flying in, and I mean, just you know, these these underappreciated plays where they jump in with one hand up, and manage to make no contact whatsoever with the receiver, and just swat the ball away. Could not have been more well timed for him to show up. I mean, 
he had multiple. I mean, he played. I believe at least one of Alec Ogletree's interceptions were really Jenkins breaking the play up, uh, and that was sort of flipped up into the air into Ogletree's hands. You know, he had a big pick, big pick against Jacksonville. I'm not sure who he was covering, but I mean that first game of the season, he he played pretty well. Uh, you know, he he has he has big moments. So, you know, he's definitely the number one corner on this team. Now, like you said, 30-year-old oh, guy, you know, we're getting towards the last maybe four to five years of his of his career. You know, that last one being the one where it's like he should probably retire. But That's generous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so when, when you're considering drafting, you have him and Sam Beal, right? Sam Beal would have come out in this draft. Oh, and by the way, the, the backups include Grant Haley and literally nobody else. Everybody else is somebody I promise you, you have not heard of in terms of playing defense. The only one maybe would be Antonio Hamilton for his special teams play. That's it. Um, but but Sambia would be coming out in this draft had he not been drafted in the supplemental draft last year, which we gave up a what? I actually don't remember. Fourth? Third? Second? Uh, third. Isn't it a one-to-one relationship? If you draft him in the third round of the supplemental, you give up a third round the following year. Correct. That's why, that's why I had no third round pick. Okay. Um. So yeah, there you go. Um, Which is so strange how people are they seem to forget, you know, that side of the equation. Like we have no third round pick. It's like, well, yeah, you do. You just used it early. Yeah, and and you got someone that you think is going to be. You're plugging in already as a starter who's had a year. Granted, he was hurt for uh, that that time, but he's also been in the building for a year, and you know. He has been rehabbing and he has been working out with the team with with a head start. So, yes, he's a rookie, but he's also not a raw rookie. Yeah, um, and and Pat Shermer declared him yesterday, um, as or today. Sorry, well, for you guys, yes, whatever. Monday, Pat Shermer <laughs> declared him 100 percent ready to go, which is good. good. Um, so you know, now you've got Sam Beal sort of learn. I, I think you have to start worrying about Janoris Jenkins replacement. Sam Beal is good at playing the ball. And I think in this draft class, the third round is too late for him. I think he would have went higher than that. So there you go. You got a steal, right? Well, re- remember something also with the supplemental pick. It's not necessarily what round you're drafting. The supplemental is not reflective of what your value is on a big board necessarily. It's at what level do you, you know, it's like kind of playing chicken almost with other teams. Sure. Like, when do you want to jump in? So it's not fair to say – like, it's it probably is a bargain that we had to give up the equivalent of a third-round draft pick. That doesn't mean he was a third-round pick. No, 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 not at all. But, but I right. mean, ultimately what the Giants spent on him was less than had he stayed at Western Michigan and come out in this draft. I'm, Correct. I'm thoroughly convinced. Now, that said – I have this draft broken into like I would say three groups of guys in terms mm-hmm. of tiers. And the first one features two SEC corners, so I'm sure you know quite a bit about them. Um oh, sorry, Greedy Williams, obviously. Uh I would actually say Greedy Williams has slipped a little bit, but uh yeah, Greedy Williams is in that group. So LSU 61185. Uh, you know, you and I both got an up close look at him, and by up close I mean the second deck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious. Why do you think he has slipped? Um, I don't know that he has done anything. I think that he was really hyped all of last year, and for me, when I watched it, his tape just didn't reflect the hype. I don't think he's done anything bad. I just think that. I think that when there isn't really good skill position players, the top ones of the draft really get pumped up by the media. You know, that mm-hmm. goes for quarterbacks, that goes for wide receivers, and it goes for corners. I think those are probably the most egregious. And this it's, draft yeah. class is not really super heavy, great corners. Um, and I think that he's good and he deserves to be a first-round pick, but this bullshit of him being in the in the top 10 – that which which is where it started to begin the whole off season process, and then he slowly trickled down. I mean, I think he's—I don't even know if he's top fifteen for me. I would say maybe top twenty. 
Well, I mean, he has the perfect storm of things that would make him overrated. Mm -hmm. I mean, A, he comes from a school that is second in the SEC of being DBU. (laughs) So there's a great pedigree. B, he has, you know, he has a personality. He's a, you know, he's kind of like Honey Badger a little bit. Mm -hmm. C, he's got the nickname, you know, Mm -hmm. the name Greedy. So it's just kind of like it stands out. So he's going to get a lot of attention. And, you know, he was a, he was a five-star coming out of high school. So you knew about him for three years already. So all those things kind of, you mix them in a pot and put them together. He's going to shoot to the top of a draft board. If he's, you know, is he really justified in that? I mean, but what we saw, we saw a very solid cornerback. You know, I didn't see a lights out, you know, shutdown corner that, you know, some of the likes of the other guys we've seen from LSU in the past couple of years. I don't know if I'd make him a top five pick. I think he's a little low, lower than that, like you'd mentioned. So. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, I mean, he's also got great body size. I mean, 6'1", 185 is pretty much how you build a corner in the factory. Maybe, maybe, maybe five to ten more pounds of weight but six six one what was he 185 that's exactly what sam beal is yep six one one eighty five um and for me greedy williams the biggest drawback is he's just inconsistent he does not do the same things from play to play and it's not him being literally greedy it's just it seems like mental things it just doesn't do it um and I kind of wonder. I mean, he does he does play all kinds of coverage, man, off man, and and, and zone. Uh, and I think he's a little bit better at off man coverage. But my biggest thing is that he tends to get beat right off the line, and that that is a little bit worrisome for me. Can he get better at it and develop into be a solid starter? Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to shoot him down so much, but you know. I, I just don't know that he's going to meet the expectations that some people have of him right away. All right. Well, that sounds like a very fair assessment of him. I think I, I would say almost the same thing. Uh, and if you if you get beat off the line consistently, you know, in the SEC, you're in a load of trouble when you get to the NFL too. So, again, now also to be very fair, I don't, do not think. LSU's defensive coaching staff is the greatest in the SEC to begin with. I, I think that whole coaching staff leaves a lot to be desired. I think they're great recruiters. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how great they are of developers of talent. Mm-hmm. So um, the learning curve may be there to get to the pros once he has better coaching as well. 100%, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one from the SEC is DeAndre Baker from Georgia. I think he actually plays a little bit better than Greedy Williams, but his big knock is – He's a little undersized. I mean, 5'11 is not bad, but it's also not great. And he plays very well to his size or very, very much like his size. I mean, he can have trouble fighting through some blocks on wide receivers. (laughs) And you remember, you know, there's some wide receivers in the NFL that are going to be like 6'4". Right. And when you're looking looking at, you know, potential, you know, you're you're drafting him that high. He's your... uh, you know, he's your franchise cornerback, you know, to steal a term. And uh, he's going to be matched up against your one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm not going to sit here and, and say 5'11", that's not going to cut it. I, I don't believe that in the slightest. But those guys that really do make it at 5'11", at the corner position, they are ballers. Their timing is great. They're quick. They know how to fight with their hands to, to deal with physical corner uh, wide receivers. I don't know that I consistently see that from DeAndre Baker. And he also played on a very, very, very good defense. Yeah. I mean, so he, he played a lot that could help him out like a pass rush. He's played with a ton of guys who, who've gone to the NFL or will be going to the NFL above in the front seven. So that makes his life a lot easier as well. Now, when I think of the James Betcher scheme, I mean, I, I try not to think of what he did with the Giants last year. And that seems kind of stupid, but... We're, we're all trying to think about what happened with the Giants last year, so... <laughs> but the, the reason why is because, obviously, he's brought into a situation where he does not have a roster that's really meant for him yet. I mean, they did the best they could right. in the short amount of time with the money they could, but... You're, th- change, you're changing the scheme completely. It's completely different. Yeah. So, I think of what happened in Arizona. And when I think of Arizona, I think of 
blitzes off the edge with the corners, you know, interchangeable corner slash safety. And I think of off man coverage and zone coverage where they just patrol the middle of the field and they attack the ball and they attack, you know, the pass. And when I think of that, of the top tier guys at the corner position, my favorite for what we're trying to do here, what I assume we're trying to do is Byron Murphy from Washington. And if you watch what he does, he does that really well. He attacks where the ball is going. And that can come up with interceptions or it could be a huge hit. You know, it's one of those things where when you watch that Arizona team from like 2016, 2017, that's what they did. They all moved around. They're all patrolling that that center of the field. And, uh, you know, it, it everything's disguised. They're all kind of blitzing off the edge. He's really good at patrolling the zone and fighting physically. He's a ferocious hitter in zone coverage. I really like what Byron Murphy brings to the table, even though of those three guys, I think he might be the least talented of those three. I think he's the best fit for what we're trying to do. I was going to say, you know, fit is as important, if not more important than physical ability or, you know, skill set. And, you know, we're looking for specific types of players to fit into this defense. And uh, do you see him as like a second round pick, a third round pick? Where do you see him falling? He could be anywhere from a late first to uh, a mid second. And it really depends on, you know, how many quarterbacks go early. Uh, I I think that he might be anywhere from 28 to 37. So he could be within our reach in the second round. Yeah. And based upon our needs, our roster needs as of this Monday, I could see us, you know, second round going for a guy like him. Absolutely, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a that's a position right now that's thin at best and with no depth at all. And, you know, if this giant team, like what happened last year, starts, starts off one and four, one and five. You could very well see Janoris Jenkins cut in the middle of the season to save more money if it's the season's lost. Yeah, and in a, in a, you know, so we need to, if if that's part of their plan, they need to have people to replace. So someone like him, you know, obviously you're thinking of the future. In that future, we can come more of the immediate present if they decide to go in that direction. That allows you the flexibility. You can do that if you want to. And also, you know, Sam Beal could suck too. You know, and. You, you yeah. want to. Pro- you also want to provide competition where and everywhere you can. And right now, Sam Beal is. And would you say? And also, would you pretty much say is being as much handed the job as you can really say he is? A hundred percent. Exactly. Is he? Is he really warranted of being handed the job, or is it just a situation that's how thin we are at the position right now? So well, I mean, maybe. Well, I, I guess the question is, how much would he have played last year had he not gotten hurt? I mean, would he have started? Probably. I mean, we're looking – well, maybe not. With with guys like B.W. Webb, while not great, they were solid veterans. They didn't make big mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we, and we, Athletically and, challenged, but – And also Eli Apple was on the team for the first part of the season as well. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Eli Apple was on the team too. So, But, I mean, at that time, we were also really questioning what he was going to be. Um, we were fresh off of the the season where Eli Apple was, you know, the center of a problem on the team, <clears throat> right? So, but we also thought at that point too that he's probably going to be the starter and getting one more chance. We we yeah. got past the we got past the do we get rid of this guy and just cut bait? It was kind of like he's going to get another chance with this team, and once he was getting that second chance with the team, he was going to start. So. Beal's role on the team at the beginning of the season was would have been different than it would have been, you know, post trade. Where, you know, maybe he would have fit right, he would have started right from there, and this is a moot conversation. You know, he's entrenched as a starter. My whole point for this whole thing is that he is looked at as a starter clearly by default because there's no other option at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, unless, unless he's outplayed by one of these other guys, I mean, like you said, the competition is important and I truly don't think that they can go through this draft without picking a corner. 
you know, whether they pick a guy who can come in and compete day one or a guy who's going to be a backup and maybe compete next year for a starting spot to replace, you know, Sam Beal while Sam Beal replaces Janoris Jenkins or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, you know, so when I looked at these corners and what I think that we want to do with them, I, that immediately took some guys off the list for me, and that would include Temple's Rocky Sin, uh, Notre Dame's Julian Love, um, guys like Jimmy Moreland from James Madison, who I, who I like, by the way. I just don't believe that's part of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. The guys that I saw, and I'll put them in order, that I thought would help the most, and it's it's going to be kind of funny, it's going to go Byron Murphy, and then after that, Chauncey Gardner. Hmm. Now, interesting. The perfect thing about Chauncey Gardner is that he does all those things well, right? I mean, he patrols the middle. He kind of does that slot corner, but he's also sort of a safety. But then he can also play outside. I mean, he can play wherever you want him. Yeah, his uh, his strength last year was was being the nickel, and he was fantastic. I mean, he just always around the ball, always making plays. You know, in big games, I think he's had four. If not, yeah, four interceptions in bowl games. Yeah, you, know, that's, you like you like you like to see your best players step up in big games. Um, a, a guy who was not at all on my radar until I decided to watch this film was Justin Lane from Michigan State. This dude comes to play, and on a team that, frankly, hasn't been good since my childhood. <laughs> um, well, but it hasn't been necessarily good, but it's always had talent come into the NFL always there's always guys that are like you know whether it's a a can't miss wide receiver or some badass linebacker or something so they do provide talent yes um I I think Justin Lane is and he came out a year early he's just raw I think he's got everything you want 6'1 190 he's fast as hell He's very physical. He attacks like th- this dude wants to play. You can he's like a little kid. You know what I mean? You watch mm-hmm. him out there and just they just go. Like the problem is he's going to have to be with the DB's coach and eliminate unnecessary steps. He's kind of wild and he can get turned around a little bit. But if he could figure that shit out and not take the unnecessary movement and only you know, allocate the correct number of steps and all these really tiny things that most people don't know about. I, I mean, I, I, it's that a sounds huge like thing. that sounds like you'd be coached out of them. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. see that with raw players all the time. That's like a JPP right. thing. Yeah, um, that wouldn't concern me as much as it's just slow or just doesn't have you know. Yeah, it just isn't a ball hawk or you know no instincts. Right. You're right. Um, or right. guys that are just yeah, – I would even say being too handsy is more of a problem for me because I mm-hmm. think that's harder to get rid of. Yeah. Um, well, it's just that, that impulse to grab when you feel the guy's past you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also like Amani Aruwari or whatever from Penn State. I, I feel bad that I can't say his name, but I, I've tried and I can't do it. Um, <laughs> he's big and strong. I, I think his big thing for me, what drops him and significantly – is I think he's going to have a lot of trouble with deep speed. I I trust I I question his uh, his ability to stay with fast guys. You know, and if that was a little bit evident in the Big Ten, then it's going to be for real evident when he's lined up against Amari Cooper in Dallas or you know Deshaun Jackson who just went back to Philly. Right? Did that happen? Mm-hmm. Okay. He went back to. Uh, did that trade actually? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. Um. So I don't know how I feel about that. And then, you know, one other guy that I kind of like, and and this is going to be another coach up, is uh, Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky. Uh, you know, hmm. this, this, a couple schools that keep popping up this year is Kentucky and NC State. Um, and I, I like what Lonnie Johnson does. Uh, that was a very attacking defense, in my opinion. And he was pretty good at, you know, blitzing and playing in runs support. I think again, he's a little bit wild and can over pursue and get himself in trouble. But mm-hmm. again, these things, the correct angles, um, and, and playing a little bit more disciplined, that's coachable. Mm-hmm. What's not coachable is being a ball Hawk and being six, two and, uh, you know, just the length that he has and, and the speed that he has for that matter. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we kind of agreed that 
cornerback is a concern for this team. It's going to be a high priority in the draft. We don't think necessarily it's going to be used on a first round pick, but definitely in the upper, you know, a, a Friday pick would not surprise us at all. No, no. And you know what? I, I, nothing is going to surprise me at all. You know, if, if on Thursday <laughs> we were to trade down or something, it wouldn't totally shock me. I'm like even keeled with this. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like I've gone back and forth 500 times what my expectations are. And, you know, um, we have been surprised how this roster construction has gone for the last, you know, 12 months or so. And nothing would really surprise me at this point. Gettleman likes football players. He mm-hmm. doesn't, it, what did he say? He doesn't like, you know, players who play football. He likes football players. So, uh, you know, we're only now. 10 days away from the draft, you know, and, you know, you're going to hear more and more noise in the next 10 days. You're going to hear more rumors and more misinformation, both by the Giants, by other teams. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're at that point now where I think you just kind of turn off your ears and you just get ready for the draft and get ready to, uh, you know, plop in front of the TV on Thursday or go out to MetLife and and watch the draft party and see what we actually do. Yeah. And, and this is the first time where, I mean, last year we were sitting in a position where we knew it was going to be one of four guys, right? I think we knew it was going to be Barkley. Yeah. Well, I think I, I, the, the, you know, the, the lack of smoke signals and just the direct bluntness of how excited Gettleman was about him kind of tipped his hand. That's where he was going. I legitimately thought there was a strong chance for Darnold. Um, no, I, I think, uh, he gave that one press conference, and he was just it's so in love with the guy. I think that's the, really thought that's where he was going to go. I think you know this I think year. I don't, had, I don't see that. I mean, there's no. I don't at all either. I you know. I think some people try to read the tea leaves and say he was looking at Haskins and stuff, but you know we've we've brought Haskins in. We've also brought Kyler Murray, and we brought they brought everybody know, in. Everyone's everybody been there. In. Daniel Jones has been in there. Drew Locke. Everyone, uh, even guys like Boza, didn't he? Was didn't he come in for a for a chat? I believe so. Yeah. So I mean, good. Do your due diligence on everybody because we don't know how this is going to, you know, fall. I mean, we may get that call from Arizona about may, may making a deal. We, we don't know at this point, so you need to be prepared for any eventuality of any you know potential trade or any somebody falling that you don't think is, you know, there might be a video that pops up where someone's, uh, you know, <laughs> with a pot mask again or something. And, you know, do you, <laughs> are you, I, you know, we, we who knew that was going to happen, you know, a couple of years ago. And, That's you know, true. you had to be prepared for a guy that you thought might be picked in the first or second pick. And all of a sudden's there at six or down there at 17. And are you willing to make that investment and take that risk for something? So, they're doing their homework. Believe me, they're not just sitting around and listening to sports radio for the hip trades of the day. They're they're, well, they're going, listening to us. Well, of course they should be. Yeah. So. And and they are also uh, following us on Twitter, which is what you guys should do. Um, I am at football underscore grump, where I can expand on all the cornerbacks that I watched, including the ones that I threw out of the mix for what I think we're trying to do, because what do I know? Maybe we will take them and I can give you my assessment of guys like Julian Love and Trayvon Mullen. Or maybe Um, he's giving, maybe he's giving his own misinformation. Yeah. Maybe, (laughs) yeah, maybe I'm just steering the narrative. Exactly. (laughs) You could catch me as always at the cranky fan where there is a, this is my favorite month, April, in October are my two favorite months for sports. I mean, you got, you have the draft coming up. You have two sets of playoffs going on. Baseball is back. It's it's, it's great. I, I love April. So, I have a lot to say about everything, including the upcoming draft, including baseball. So, follow me as always at the Cranky Fan. And this show is available on iTunes again, and it's available on Podbean, and it's available on SoundCloud, and it has its own Twitter account, at JustGiantsPod, where you can find the link to all this stuff, or if you just forget to check your subscriptions, which, uh, that's kind of silly, but if you do, (laughs) you will always see us bump that Twitter post uh, every time that we 
post a new episode. So be sure yes. to follow there too, just so it's a nice little reminder as you open up your Twitter for the latest news. That's right. And again, because we are only 10 days away from the draft, now is the time to listen. And if you anybody out there does want to hear previous episodes and you are an iTunes subscriber, you know, drop us a, uh, you know, hit us up at just giants pod or at, you know, football underscore grump or me at the cranky fan. And we will, we will, uh, we'll throw those up there as well. So, yeah, I mean, they all exist. Um, I, I just have to do a little bit of computer work and I can get that available on iTunes. Yes. We'll do. Yep. So we will see you guys barring any, news on Tuesday. And what are we going to be talking about next week before the draft? Should we give a little tease or we haven't thought that far in advance? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's one position group we haven't really talked about, but I don't imagine we'll spend much time on it and it's running back. Um, We'll go over, you know, the position, some guys that might be considered. I I don't imagine it'll be a high pick. So, you know, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Hundred percent. You know, I, I think a lot of people have different opinions on how where does Wing Gallman actually fit on this team, or Paul you Perkins know, for that matter, or, or Paul Perkins. That's right. You know, he's kind of the, been the forgotten man. It's been so long since you mentioned his name. So, where do these guys fit in the future? Do we look on the outside? Is this something we wait till, you know? a late round or do we wait till a undrafted free agent? Do we wait till someone's cut during training camp? There's a lot of ways to go in a position that is actually more important than you think it is. Oh yeah. Um, and then we will, I mean, maybe we'll cover this next week or maybe we'll do an episode on Wednesday. I will figure that out, but, uh, a, a draft preview. Um, just what we think is going to happen. Our gut instinct What's going to happen at six? What's going to happen at seventeen? Um, and you know, of course, we will be live on Twitter for the draft itself. So, yeah, and if you and if you'd like, buy us a drink at the uh, Jameson Room. We'd we'd love that. Are there open drinks? I don't remember. Uh, we last time we were in that club area, and I believe there were drinks. They'd right. be crazy not to. Well. If there isn't drinks, there's definitely food, so you can buy us one or the other. <laughs> I always am a big fan of the meatball hero, but a hot dog will always do as well. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, be sure to tune into that because I feel like that's going to be fun. It'll be really raw. It'll be the reaction of us and everyone around us. I mean, it, it's I'm not going to have much control over what happens around me. So <laughs> if you want a true feeling of what the fan reaction and my reaction and how it might compare and contrast, that is a perfect thing to fit in. Uh, to, I don't to like to be. To. I like to be noster cranky or anything, but I, my guesstimation is this is going to be a ornery cranky crowd. Well, all right, everyone. That's that's sort of our plan for next week, barring some sort of crazy news like a trade. You are looking at a Monday, or sorry, a Tuesday morning episode about running backs. A Wednesday episode, or yeah, Wednesday or Thursday morning. You think the draft? What uh, a Jeff review. We'll probably do it Wednesday night and. Uh, have it available Thursday morning. There you go. And then uh, then we'll have live coverage of the draft from the draft party at MetLife Stadium on Thursday night. Sounds like a plan. Yep. So with that, let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.